0: Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. Uh, hope you're doing well. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, today is the last day of our Born to Lose but Live uh, to Win series. We're going to be transitioning uh, over the next few weeks to uh, the book of John. And so that's one of the biographies of Jesus' life. And so we're looking forward to going through that. That'll be our next series. If you want to start reading that, getting ready, uh, that's going to be good. There's a lot of transitions going on right now. Today is our last kind of home church meeting. (laughs) We've enjoyed it. I don't know if you guys have, but it's been, yeah, it's been pretty cool. We actually have to drive and go somewhere, but it's going to be cool. So, um, Next week's going to be a little bit different, though. It's our last pre-recorded. Because of some schedules, we're not able to yet start on campus. And so we're going to do a pre-recorded service. It'll be our last one. It also gives us a chance next Sunday, you can be praying for us as uh, leaders. We're going to be walking the school campus at Lisa J. Mails, kind of just checking things out, doing logistics and stuff like that. So it gives us time without a lot of people there to do that. The following week, then, does anybody have the date of that? We're into September. It's September, probably 10th. 11th, 12th, somewhere in there, Um, but that week we're going to start kind of a soft launch as far as nothing's going to be offered, no one's going to greet you, Uh, no children's ministry, nothing, we have no chairs for you, we have absolutely nothing when we say nothing, and so, but if you want to show up, start the community, be there, we'll probably, um, you know, grab something to eat afterwards, have some food, that we'll figure it out, but uh, just have some time together, so. We're gonna start kinda moving on campus and then I'll be giving announcements as far as when we officially like launch launch. But we have a lot to figure out as a church. So this is where we need your help. If you are a part of Access, a few things. One is we're starting our connection group signups and they're gonna end in the next uh, week or so. And so we need to know if you are in a connection group because uh, of the way we're doing it this year. We're doing a little bit different for the fall. And so if you can go online, it's on the front of our webpage, www.go to accesschurch.com get there sign up let us know so we can plan uh, so we have that starting it's going to be great and, uh, and then also on Sundays uh, we are going to be relaunching starting uh, ministry teams and things like that and so we're going to be putting that up on our website too where you can sign up for a ministry team uh, online and so and we'll be doing our trainings on the campus getting you familiar with it so start engaging with the website watching the Facebook page emails they'll be coming out getting us ready Uh, not just ourselves ready but ready to be a part of the new community in French Valley and uh, the new school and so and all that God has in store for us so a lot of things going on we're excited yeah wow the (laughs) crap yeah it started off exciting then we went to kind of golf clap you know (laughs) we're like there's still mixed reviews on everything so uh, we're gonna jump into things though and uh, it's gonna be a uh, a great morning and we have worship and then again we're gonna be uh, jumping in to the last Um, uh, talk for this uh, Born to Lose, Live to Win series. Uh, The title today is Loss and Love, and we're going to be wrapping up our series on that. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much um, for your love and protection in the midst of craziness in our lives. Um, I've talked to so many people that thinking back over these last three or four months and all the different difficulties we've seen your love, we've seen your hope, we've seen your comfort, we've seen your promises. And uh, God, we hold on to those things. And I just love it that we're not into a religion, we're into an interactive relationship with a God who's alive and kicking and that you care and you're involved. And um, it's just, it's powerful. And we want to not only receive from that, we want to be able to share that with others, Jesus. And so um, we're just appreciative. We come here ready to worship, we come here with thankful hearts. Uh, We come here ready to learn, ready to receive um, so that we can uh, serve you, be your ambassadors and let others know about this hope, Jesus. And so we just dedicate this time to you in your name. Amen. Here we go. I don't remember exactly um, when it was, but I just remember noticing, uh, I think I I was pretty young. When I recognized the scar on my on my mom's hand, and it was on the it was on the outside of her hand, and uh, it wasn't super noticeable, but um, we must have just been, you know, relaxing, watching something, and then I just looked at her hand and noticed a scar there. So I asked her about it, as far as just like you know what happened there, and she told me a story about this was back in uh, this is the late '70s. I don't think seat belts, I don't even know if they were invented back then, but we didn't use them, I don't think. I always remember uh, being in the back of cars and moving around, and so I, much different than it is today. And, uh, but I was on her lap, and I guess the car had to stop really quickly, and so we all went forward, and she put her hand um, on my head, and my head, went. we stopped so fast it went into the, the dashboard and uh, a a car that's made in the 60s and 70s, those are beefy dashboards. It's not like today where it's like, you know, rubbery or something like that, you know? And so it was a big car and and so my head slammed, but my mom's hand helped with the impact and uh, it had whatever the name of the car was uh, on the inside and so the lettering actually hit her hand and she was bleeding. So it kind of, it pricked her skin, and she got a bruise there, and so, but she said, yeah, she goes, I, you know, she was joking around, I saved your life, Mm -hmm. reminding me, as every parent does, that you're lucky to be alive because of me, and so, but every time I saw the scar, it just reminded me from then on of my my mom's love, right? It It was a reminder of her love, if I ever forgot, and as, can happen when we get frustrated with our parents, especially when we're kids and we don't understand and they don't love me and they don't let me do what I want and they're not, you know, giving. And those parents over there, you know, they got a new car and I had to work for my car and all these things that come up. No matter what came up, I saw the scar uh, on her hand. And it's the same thing as far as, as I've gotten older and I became a Christian and the scars that Jesus bore his sacrifice, what he lost was our gain. In John 15, and um, everything's out of John, I, I'm so excited to go through the the book of John that I'm just going to start preaching out of it now, which I shouldn't because we're going to go through it later. But it's all that uh, I, I've been reading. So I've, I've trained this, and I'm ready. Uh, it's been neat just to, we're going to call it up close and personal with Jesus. And I feel like as a church, it's time for us to We've been doing a lot of topical series and we went through Colossians and looking at different books. I I feel like it's time to get back to um, who Jesus is. Let God speak for God so we don't have to assume what does God think about this or make up our own thing. And in a sense, almost reignite our love for him as a church. That's what we're going to be doing. And we're we're really going to take our time, not necessarily word by word, verse by verse, but we're going to kind of take our time and just look at who The Bible says that Jesus is the full embodiment of God. So anything you want to know about God, you look to Jesus. And so it's going to be an exciting time for us. And this is what Jesus says. And this is uh, God's heart. God's trying to communicate to us so we understand him. Because when we try to understand ourselves, sometimes we try to look within. And the Bible says, no, no, no. If you want to understand yourself, look to God. Because Anything that's created, you have to look to the creator to figure that out, right? And so if you want to understand a car, if you want to understand some type of a mechanical device, you go to the person who created it, and they're going to tell you everything about it. And so when we look into ourselves and try to figure things out, we actually get confused, and we get broken down. And so God's trying to explain how we function, who we are, how we work best. And this is what Jesus says in John 15. He says, listen, as the Father has loved me, so notice this relationship, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. How do we love people well? We look to God. So Jesus saw how the Father loved him, and then he goes and loves others, and there's this pattern here. And so he says, the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. How do I get the the joy of God in the midst of whatever circumstances are going on? It's to, to keep the commands and remain in God's love. To love like Him, to remain in His love is not just to read about it, but it's actually to practice it. The way he does patience, the way he does perseverance, the way he does forgiveness—if it doesn't make sense, just do it. There's going to be this inexplicable joy, right? This, this—it's transcendent as far as you—you you, you can't explain how it happens, but it happens. And I don't know if you've met people like that. They just—you're—you're you're around them, and there's a there's a love that, that you can't explain. We see, we hear stories of that, right? We hear stories of people or missionaries going and sacrificial love, and they give up so much, all that kind of stuff. And we look to them like, like they're the abnormal, you know, and it's like, no, they should be the normal. This is what it means to be a, a Christian. And so he says, listen, I've told you this, that, that my joy may be in you. If you want to be a joyful person, you keep the commands of God, and all of God's commands are a way to live a life of love. And he says, so this is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. Notice he doesn't say love each other. Love someone in the same way that they love you. So the supernatural godly love is one that I'm going to love someone, not based on if they should be loved, but on how God has loved me. This is a classic thing as far as when I do marriage counseling or I ask people the purpose of their marriage. Two completely different marriages that you'll see as far as one is I'm going to love you as long as you love me and you stop loving me and then we're going to have issues. And we see that in most marriages, to be honest, rather than I'm going to love you depending on how God's loved me. So if you don't love me, I'm already completely loved by God and I'm just going to pour that love on you. That's two different marriages. And so he says, my command is this to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love than that, no one. Uh, greater love has no one than this. Now he's going to say, "This is the pinnacle of it: to lay down one's life for one's friends, to sacrifice, to lose something." True love, you're going to lose things. In a society where we don't want to lose anything, but you have to lose to love. There has to be a sacrificial aspect of that. And he says. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. So he's saying, I'm revealing to you my business. God is in the business of sacrificial love. That's the the ultimate thing to God. The ultimate command is to live a life where I sacrifice, where I live to lose. And what do I win? Love. I'm loving like God, and then I get the joy of god many of us think i get the joy of god by singing worship songs by feeling it let me read my bible wake up early and I, and I get that joy No, no 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 you only get the joy when you apply the bible you only get the joy when you live the love of jesus not when you learn about the love of jesus that's a gap there for us and so he says this is my business this is what i'm all about it's not real complicated god's all about this this deep sacrificial love and we have to be willing to lose sacrificially in order to love and he says that i have called your friends for everything i learned from the father i've made known to you so when we read about jesus when we study jesus god's revealed everything to him and jesus reveals everything to us And, and what god is saying is listen there's there's levels to love there's levels to love i feel love because of what I get from you. That's a level of love at a childlike or maybe even a childish level, right? And we don't fault a child for that. Like, why do our kids love us when they're really young? It's because of everything we do for them, right? You give me this. You give me hugs. I mean, all good things, right? You take me on trips. You do those things. And that's a level. But we expect that to grow, right, as they get older. And what do we call it when we continue to um keep our kids at that level we call it spoiling them right where i'm i'm only oh something bad happened let me buy you something well that's you're missing these levels of love and so there's a a childish aspect to that but it's it's an entry-level love right but we're meant to grow from there and so so levels of love is i feel love because of what i get from you and what jesus is talking about is i do love so i don't feel it. that love is an action word ultimately I do love because of what I lose for you. So how do I know if I'm loved by how much that person is willing to lose, sacrifice for me? That's a that's a different level of love. That's a that's a godly love. There. Many times we can stay in life in this level of I only feel love by what I get, not by what I give. We see this in relationships. We see this in churches, right? I love my church, but I'm not willing to sacrifice. So. Giving, serving, uh, sleeping less, getting here, and and so, but there's that level of uh, I love my church. Well, what I love, I love the programs of the preacher, or the worship, or the children's ministry, or the friendships, and and that's a level of love, no doubt. I'm not saying it's not love, but there are these levels that God says there's actually a deeper love that brings more joy, and there's a joy of when you love someone or something, and then you give and you see it grow and mature. Right? You invest into a church and you see it grow and mature. You invest into a relationship and you see that even if you're not giving love back, your love overwhelms them and they begin to change because you're so loving. I was counseling a couple. Um, this was when the church first opened and there was one person in the marriage that was stuck. You could tell they were spiritually stuck, not just relationally. I had to tell the person, I go, this is a spiritual. Sometimes we think it's all relational battle. And I said, I think you're in a spiritual battle. Like, they're, they're, they're stuck. There's, there's, there's a wall there. And they go, how do I overcome it? And I go, you've got to love them to Jesus. That's, that's the only way. You demanding your rights, saying you're not doing this, it's th- their heart is hardened at this point. And it's interesting seeing a shift when someone said, I'm going to have to love and possibly not be loved for many months or possibly many years. But does love really win? Born to lose, live to win. And this is where do we trust God. And didn't Jesus do this? Like he came to love and he got rejected as, a, as much as he got accepted, but he still loved. He was willing to do it because love truly does conquer. When you love, now here's the thing, not when you love in a childish way, that doesn't conquer. When you love in a sacrificial way, he says, I'm willing to lose for your game because ultimately I don't lose because whatever I give in love, God just pours back into my heart. This is where he talks about this spring up, oh well, that we read in scripture, right? And he talks to the Samaritan woman Remember when he says that? And he's like, I have, I have this, this water that never ends. This is what he's talking about. That as we pour out, God just continually pours in. This gives us context to John 3.16, which is obviously a very popular passage, but sometimes we miss the, the meaning and the power of it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He lost, in a sense, that tight, Trinitarian, perfect love relationship. And he gave Jesus up to be sacrificed. Why? Because he loved so much. This is an anchor for us. Anytime we doubt God's love, we don't have the money. We don't have the job. We don't have the looks we want. We don't have the, the relationships we want. The kids aren't where we want. The marriage isn't where we want. And, and, and many of us, we all go through it, right? Where it's that sense of, God, do you really? We're questioning his love. I don't see you. I don't and what the cross is is this anchor of saying never doubt. It's the scar on the hand that whenever I thought my mom was being mean, whenever I didn't understand, the scar reminded. No. Never doubt. She was willing to put herself in harm's way because of love. Jesus put himself in harm's way. The devil tried to defeat him. The devil tried to deceive him. The devil tried to defeat him, but he couldn't. Because when we entrust ourselves to God, he always resurrects. So Jesus is powerful not only as our savior, but as our example. When it's hard to love, when we feel like we're not getting anything back, knowing that even as I lose, I win. Because if I'm loving the way God, I'm going to get the joy of God. But also love does conquer. No matter how someone bitter is, no matter how separated they are, no matter keep loving, keep forgiving, keep praying for them, keep encouraging, keep the high road, keep your character. But here's the other thing too is part of love is sometimes you have to speak the truth. You can lose relationships when you love someone, but you speak truth. And so as we learn about love and the totality of God's love, we're going to experience loss. But Jesus is our example and Jesus is our motivator ephesians 5 1 through 2 says this follow god's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love well what kind of love just as christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god this is where the ultimate level of love is i'm loving someone else and actually I'm loving God by loving them. So if I don't receive anything from them, but I'm loving this person because I love God. This is, I remember this as far as a, um, a missions trip, we went to India and we were meeting in these, these homes and they're super hospitable. There's a good side and a downside to that. Um, the, the good side is it's, it's unlike here, like you could literally just walk in, you just came from a different country and you walk in and they accept you. The downside of that is you have to eat whatever they put in front. Like that's <laughs> super huge. And so I've eaten things that, uh, and the hardest part is not eating it, it's keeping a face that says thank you while you're eating it. So um, <laughs> so that was interesting. But so that was the thing I was most nervous about. Like people were like, oh, was it like sharing Jesus? I'm like, no, it's just not knowing when you walk in exactly what you're gonna eat and you have to eat it. So uh, this one um, little village we were in though, um, we really sense that God was moving. Uh, it's almost like they were ready to hear the gospel. And that's just just so you know, when God asks you to do things, and you're like, there's no way, this feels so weird, like there's no way it can happen. We forget is God's already prepared the people for who you're going to love and who you're going to interact with. We forget that. We think we're the ones doing it all. And God's like, no, no, no. You're just playing a role here. I've already prepared them. Just show up. And so we're doing our thing, and we see like, whoa, they're, they're, they're ready. And so um, I'm explaining just... Jesus is in the gospel and they have a very good understanding they know there's a lot of gods and so but they also know that all the gods they are learning about don't really work they're like this just isn't there's still a lot of fear there's still a lot of darkness it's like so you explain jesus and they're like that makes sense yes we are sinners we need a savior we understand that and there's satan and he needs to be defeated because we experience a lot of darkness and so we're explaining the gospel and so i, I share the gospel and um this one house nobody accepts, so I'm like, you know, no problem. We can talk about. It. We can come back. You know, tell me what you think and things like that. And the the the, um, the dad and the husband just says, why did you come? I didn't know where this was gonna go. I'm like, oh, uh, this could be, you know, really awkward. And I said, well, well, God sent me. Well, but, but why? Why did you come to us? And I said, well, God loves you, so I love you. You see god has loved me in my life and i know the darkness that i've been in and so i'm here out of love and it blew them away as far as just like you know i told him i said and i didn't just come on my own accord a church people paid thousands of dollars to support me to be here this guy gets emotional and he goes yeah and there's also people praying like when we're on this mission there's people praying for you because they love it. then they accept christ as their savior yeah And and here's why. Sometimes we think it's the story of God that changes people's lives, and it's the love of God. It's the love of God. This season we're in right now, um, sometimes we forget history. There's been other pandemics. We forget that. And not that this isn't bad, but we forget that. We forget that there's always been racial tension all around the world. Like when you read history books, when you just look at world history, even now today, there's racial tension all over the world. And it's a tactic that Satan uses to divide people. He loves that. And so we have to realize we're in a spiritual, this isn't just a racial thing. It's a spiritual thing, right? And so, but it's also a thing as Christians, we need to be very attentive of because it it is real. Now, whatever level you think that is, systemic, nonsense, all that kind of stuff, we have to realize that that it's real, right? And that we're deceived and we do judge on skin and we judge on how people look all the time. Like we're very, as human beings, we're shallow and God brings us to a deeper thing of like, no, 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 we look at the heart. So this has happened before. About six or seven years ago, there was an, uh, a, another national incident. Um, and so we're, it kind of reminded me of what we're in now. And sometimes we're like, oh, there's a worst there been. It's like, no, there's riots before. And I remember them and and people on the news and and activists and protests. And and so at that time is the same response that I had now. Whenever things like this happen, we have to be very attentive within the body of Christ. And um, and so when there's racial things in the body of Christ, we want to be attentive to that. I want to remind us that in the book of Acts, one of the first things that happened when the church got together is there was a racial tension. That the, the Jewish um, women um, and the, the, um, the Greco-Roman women, the women who weren't of Jewish you know, um, descendants, that they were mingling together for the first time. They'd always been separate. And now the church was bringing them together, but the women who weren't Jewish felt like they were being overlooked when it came to, to food and to help and to being loved and being helped by the church. And what did the church do? They didn't just be like, you just need to read your Bible more and pray. Don't worry about it. They didn't minimize it. They actually assigned seven elders and said, you guys figure it out making sure that we're loving correctly. We got a little bit of a grief within the church for stopping and having honest conversations and saying, hey, let's look at this. Um, but it's what the church does. We evaluate ourselves, we, have, we, we stop and say, are we loving the way Christ has called us to love? And we'll do that again. We'll continue to do that. And so several years ago, this happened. And so one of the members uh, in our church I was at before Cross Crosspoint, um, this issue was dear to him. As a black man who grew up in the South um, and his family experienced incredible amount of racism and so it was near and dear to his heart. So I said, well, what can we do to talk and learn? And so he took me to a, a church in Southgate. Um, and if you don't know where Southgate is, it's it's in L.A. And uh, it's pretty legit. Um, there's a lot of uh, poverty there. There's a lot of issues there, social issues. And so the churches are, are, are huge there. Community, faith, Bible, church. And uh, and so I went there and we listened to different speakers and... and um, in different perspectives. I thought it was really cool that uh, a lot of times we think that there's always uniformity within white thinking black thinking Hispanic It's like there's there's not and so it's interesting to hear all the diverse thinking and all that kind of stuff But I went there out of love to listen and to learn and to say how do we as a church? How do we as people continue to love each other? Uh, deeply and what I was most impacted by was not any of the speakers there's some really good speakers I mean, there's some like I'm downloading their podcast like that preachers legit, but it didn't I was impressed by him But what I was most impressed by was a man named Javon. And so we got done and we're mingling. And so the the friend that brought me, he's like, hey, come meet this guy. And I met Javon. Javon works in Compton and um, he moved his family there. And this is a guy that is bright. This is a guy that has a degree. This is a guy that could go make a lot of money. This is a guy that could live in the suburbs. This is a guy that could protect his kids. This is a guy that could do all the things, live the life of the American dream. But a lot of times the American dream is different than God's dream. In fact, almost all the time. So if you're living the American dream, you might want to wake up. Javon just had this, this heart as far as just like the problems that are going on within his community, the black community, he understood it, but he also understood the dynamics of it. So I was talking to him, and it's amazing to hear just, you know, what's this like, and how is it financially, and how is it protecting your kids, and all this kind of stuff. And what are you actually doing to solve the problem? He goes, "It's complex." He goes, "Absolutely. There's, you know, um, there's issues between different colors of skin." He goes, "Different shades of skin, from super white to not so white to super black to not so black to." He goes, "It just happens in all these little scales." He goes. So we're, we're trying to hit something deeper than that. And he goes, so, uh, so I go, how are you solving the problem? Because everyone's talking about how are you solving it. And he goes, well, what we do is we, we bring in the white kids from the suburbs. And they do ministry there. And he goes, but they don't do anything where they're telling the black kids about how to live for Jesus, what to do. They serve them. They clean up the streets. They pick up the needles. They shut their mouths. They listen. They do all these things. And he goes, that impacts most and he goes and you got the white kids that if they're coming from neighborhoods where they're not used to just these different nationalities, different looks and different vibes. And he goes and it's real how media portrays. It, it, it kind of become ingrained. And he goes, what happens is we dehumanize. He goes, I'm trying to humanize us. And even these kids that you look at and they look so rough and so. And he goes, there's. He goes, these men are little boys, Brian. These men are little boys. I'm teaching them how to be a man. And he goes and so. He goes, what happens, they come in and the white kids learn as far as it humanized, like, whoa, you grew up in this environment, maybe there's a reason why you do what you do just to survive. And here's the thing, a lot of them leave with this, I'd be doing the same thing if this is all I saw or I grew up in. And so he goes, they learn, they humanize, but it is goes, also for the black kids where they can look at just white people and just, I'm instantly going to judge you or you have any kind of money, I'm instantly going to, and it humanizes them. Because also we have things here with education, so he provides education. And then he also walks the streets, relationships, because he is about Christ and all these kinds of things. And I just learned the most as far as well, I remember asking this, I said, What about the danger factor? Like you're you're deep like in it. I mean there's shootings, they they're in their home, they, they're on the ground, there's things like this. Like it's it's real. The drug deals still happen right in front of their homes, prostitution, all this kind of stuff and um he goes i don't worry about the people because (laughs) he said these words. he goes they know how much that we love them because how much we've given up for them so he goes we honestly have no problems he goes he goes some of the the thuggest people he goes they'll escort me or our home everybody knows don't do that in front of like there's so much respect why because he lives with them he lives for them And he'll give up anything to love them. Love is what changes, and may we never forget that. As much as we want to think, no, if I can out argue them, if I can post this, if I can give a dig, if I can give a joke, if I can just throw more Bible verses, love is what changes. But here's the thing in order to love, we're going to lose. And we have to be willing to, knowing that we've gained everything in Christ and knowing that that's the path to truly the joy of God. As we wrap up this series, my hope and heart is this. A, we understand loss is a part of life. And that's what we've been going through the last seven weeks. It's a part of life. So how do we embrace it? How do we allow it to shape us? How do we allow God to use it? But here's the big thing is sometimes we'll only lose if it's involuntary and what God is saying, listen, I'm going to ask you to voluntarily lose in order to win. And here's the greatest win. It's not how you feel. It's not how comfortable you are. It's how many people we win for him. That's his business. He's in the business of love. That's the primary work of God. And what he's saying is if you're going to, if you're going to work in this business, you're going to lose. But our win is people come to know him. They're not separated from eternity. They have hope here on earth. They have purpose here on earth. They're not just living for another car, another party, another high, another whatever it is to wake up and know that you know that God knows you, loves you, is in you, is with you, and for you. And that's the primary work of the church. And as we relaunch, as we get going again, we have to start with this and that we're a church we're willing to lose. We're willing to give money. We're willing to give time. And that's where we're going to win as a church. And if we hold on saying, I don't want to lose my time. I don't want to lose my money. I don't want to lose things. Then I think we will, we're, we're going to lack the experience of the joy of God and we're going to lack the win. And that's where I wanted to end today. That we can actually voluntarily lose sacrifice in our marriages with our kids. Whether we receive anything back in our communities, with our friends, with someone who doesn't know Jesus, I'm going to continue to love them. Because knowing that, with Christ, we've already won, and that—that's the win. No matter how much I give, that—that that, that day that they would understand the love of God is what it's all about. I've never regretted the amount of money, amount of time going on missions trips, going to Africa, going to India. Now, in the time when it was hot, when it was tiring, when we missed our flight, when we missed our meals, when we had to eat things we didn't want, in the moment I was probably like, nah, "This isn't worth it," right? <laughs> but when it's done. So in the moment, you might be like, I don't want to love my spouse. They are out to la-la-la land. And I understand. But live past the moment. Live for eternity. And live for Christ. Mm-hmm. It's his example to us. Mm-hmm. In light of this, we're, we're going to, we've wrapped things up. And I just kind of want to absorb in these songs as we sing them to God, that it, it fills us up. And not just fills us up as far as making us feel good, but fills us up as far as really going out and loving sacrificially and voluntarily losing whatever we have to in order to win as far as building up others so jesus thank you so much for being our example for showing us and and knowing that we're in a friendship with you we're not just workers for you (laughs) we're in a friendship with you and so you desire to just like all friends you desire to reveal things to us as friends You want us to know what life is all about. You want us to know that, listen, even though the world is living for complete gain and just to consume, that that's not the way we live and that's not the path to true victory in life, to true contentment, to true joy. So God, I just pray as we worship that you would fill us, you would teach us, that we could go and truly represent you and follow your example. And as we die to ourselves, that we would practically rise anew in you. Then now when people look at us, when people see our life, that they see you. They see the hands of Jesus. They see the heart of Jesus. They see the eyes of Jesus. They hear the truth of Jesus by the way we live. I pray that would be our greatest gospel message, would be our life. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to gotoaccesschurch.com.